This a success off another breath. This the first step in searching to be nothing less than be the best in what you do to prove their strength in being you. Learn so much in chasing dreams that I never would in school. And what's going on, guys? Kieran Edley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast, the place where we bring science and spirituality together to speak about mental health and performance. So sometimes we have doctors and specialists on the show, or you have your boy Kez right here speaking to you about mental health. Um, and that's what we're going to be doing today a little bit, but we're also going to be speaking to some really beautiful humans who have been through their own struggles around mental health. Uh, this week is Mental Health Awareness Week. Right now it is a Saturday, so it is the weekend of. And I've had some amazing individuals reach out to me uh, sharing some really beautiful stories about their own experiences with mental health and then the things that they've done to shift that. So today is not just going to be about the awareness factor, it's also going to be about the shift and healing and growth factors. So essentially how this is going to go is I'll share a little bit about my story. I haven't done that in a while where I've actually gone deep into my own experiences in a more detailed way around depression and anxiety and many would even call some of the many of the symptoms ADD if you were to reflect on I was never diagnosed because that's not what I got diagnosed for anxiety and depression right were the things that I did and uh, we'll then as well switch over to some five minute snippets of a few different people that currently today are living a far better life than the life that they lived previously the life that lived they lived previously was a life of suffering, sadness, anxiousness, loneliness. And now these individuals who have shared their stories are living lives, their own life in a much more profound way. So they go ahead and actually share with us, the audience. Um, I'm, I'm included there. I've been, I've, I've had the privilege of going through their stories and listening a little bit more into what it is that they've been experiencing and what the shifts that, the shifts that they've made. And I'm so excited to share these stories with you about not only their struggles, but also their transformation and the key to that transformation and the biggest key rather to that transformation that they've had. So without further ado, um, I'll dive into a little bit about my own story. Um, um, but before we do, I do actually want to just touch really briefly on Mental Health Awareness Week and why this is such a big thing for me. Because not only has it been uh, something that has been huge within my experience, the statistics with young males and also just mental health in general here in New Zealand is terrible, right? When we look at uh, the stats around young males, I remember at one point we were like fourth or fifth in the world between the ages of 17 to 24 of, um, for men in terms of the ratio of men that were committing suicide in the world, right? And you look at New Zealand and, you know, it's one of the, um, it's been rated like the nicest country to live um, by many, um, um, by many, on many articles, right? Not all articles, but many. Um, one of the nicest uh, countries in general in the world in terms of the culture. Um, you know, we see all these uh, statistics that don't really resemble what the true statistics around suicide and mental health really resembles. And, you know, there's many things that tie into it. There's a whole manly culture. There's uh, a lot of aspects that have come into the culture today here in New Zealand in a very strong way that are very materialistic. I'm sure it's very similar to, you know, any of the other countries that might be listening, United States, Australia, uh, UK, right? So uh, well, England, right? So these uh, places, this is all played out for sure, uh, just as much Um as well as New Zealand in terms of the whole fact that uh, social status, um, uh, status in general, how people perceive oneself is completely predicated on how one will feel about themselves. Or vice versa, sorry, um, how, how they feel about themselves and how I used to feel about myself is predicated on how people viewed me and also my status in general as well. So this, this is such a huge thing that exists even now, um, even with all this talk about mental health. Um, you know, there's many other th aspects that tie into my um, passion around mental health, particularly around, uh, and also probably one of the main reasons why I started this podcast in general is this gentleman by the name of Caleb Rickard, uh, one of my best friends at the time. Uh, he took his life because of anxiety, and 
yeah, it was actually unexpected. I, I didn't, I did not expect that to happen. It came out of nowhere. Um, I remember her messaging me a week before and, um, I were messaging each other and I, I was checking up on him and he um, asked him how he was and he's like, yeah, things aren't too good right now. So I said, okay, well, let's catch up sometime soon. I never heard back from him. A week later, I got a phone call from a mutual friend and yeah, he'd taken his life. Of course, that really, really hard and I hold that so deeply within me even now today. You know, it still brings up some sadness. Um, but at the same time, I'm also grateful to him because he's the reason why I've become so deeply passionate. One of the reasons why um, around this topic, as well as um, the in many ways as well, um, he's been a driving force behind a lot of the things that I've done, including the Thrive Organization, the nonprofit that I initiated alongside a couple of other amazing humans. And um, yeah, we're still sort of in a very, um, we're in a very standstill stage at the moment with it, but it's still, um, yeah, a really beautiful journey that we're going through and creating a, an overall supportive environment for those that struggle. So that, and then also as well, um, it's very prominent in my own family, uh, especially in, of course, fairly close family, extended family. Um, there's mental health that runs through uh, the veins of our family, really. Um, I mean, you could call it hereditary, but you could also just call it honestly learning and conditioning because that's what we've been seeing and what that's what we've been observing from a young age so naturally those are the habits and uh the uh the conditioning that we start taking on because that's what we observe from a young age uh so you know there's so many things that tie into all of this and then of course obviously my own experiences so yeah there's many reasons why i'm passionate about mental health uh, but ultimately it's something that i want to and i have been wanting to ever since i was much younger to normalize the conversation around this. I never felt like I could speak about how sad I felt or how anxious I was. I remember when I, from memory anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I had panic attacks before this, but this was from memory. Um, the first severe panic attack I had, I was sitting um, in my apartment at the time in Sydney and I was curled up on my couch. Um, I was sitting on the couch watching anime at the time. <laughs> Love my anime. And um, yeah, my partner at the time, she was making dinner. You know, things seemed perfect. I had nothing going wrong. Nothing at all. And then I curled up into a ball, into the fetal position. And I just started hyperventilating. Like, <sighs> I had no idea what was going on. At the time, I didn't know this was a panic attack. I had no clue. Right. It wasn't until, you know, a few years later that I was able to reflect on this and I was able to realize what it was. And uh, my partner at the time came over and asked me what was wrong, what was going on. And I was continually repeating, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't I, I had no clue what was going on. And I was freaking out. I don't remember much after that. I was like everything's black for me after that. But um yeah, when I reflect on it, I'm like, damn, that was my first panic attack and I had no clue just because I was just not aware it just wasn't spoken about right and uh you know I had many situations after that that um led to panic as well um but really from where it all started it was really when I first started intermediate so when I was about 10 years old uh, um 10 and 11 years old I was always watching my lord of the rings uh my precious i would watch uh <laughs> lord of the rings constantly on repeat i'd go through lord of the rings one two and three on repeat um on when i was on the bus on the way to school on the way from school when i got to school before the first period um as soon as you know school ended i was so relieved because i could be away from people because i was so shy and nervous and i'm honestly scared of people initially you know, when i first moved to intermediate um and yeah, so much loneliness and insignificance got triggered within me. Um, I remember like I used to take so seriously some of the name callings uh, that were um, pointed towards me. And, you know, they were never really that bad. I was never really, you know, you couldn't, like, you, you couldn't really call it really severe bullying at all, right? It wasn't severe bullying. It wasn't even really, it wasn't intended as bullying. It was just like people would just say, call me names like, uh, like, um Kieran's gay or like um uh, Kieran's so weird you know um these sort of things would get said um and yeah I mean you know I guess you know some would might call it bullying but I know it was never intended that way by those people um 
it's just I just remember taking those things so seriously and just feeling always constantly dumb. Um, and well, I was actually really out of it a lot of the time as well. Like honestly, I'd just blank out of conversations all the time. I just wasn't present. I wasn't coherent a lot of the time. I was really te- I got really terrible at a lot of the um uh a lot of the subjects that I was doing um apart from maths that was the only thing that I could, that I could excel at um because in my logical mind it made sense but everything else uh it just I just was so disconnected because I was disconnected from reality uh my very first intermediate teacher he told my parents at the parent teacher interview that I was at um I remember him saying Karen seems more interested in the butterflies outside than he does in the class because <laughs> I'd be constantly um yeah just looking outside and blanking out and then he'd call me out and be like Karen are you focusing I'm like yeah I would be at the back of the class and just yeah I was always out of it tired because I wasn't sleeping properly and I had no idea what was going on right but I look back and like man I was really depressed I had no clue always you know walking around with a big smile on my face this was 10 and 11 years old you know Um, but this is where it really started for me and uh yeah from there I just kept going downhill um over the years I got more a little bit more comfortable and confident, I suppose, but the sadness didn't go away. Um, I remember even in my first year of intermediate, um, I, um, oh God, um, I, we did a, uh, a test in French and uh, this test, it was very simple. It was just like, um, how do you say thank you? How do you say hello? All that sort of stuff, right? Really simple stuff. And it was 10 questions, right? And would answer the 10 questions. The teacher would be like, how do you say this? Or how do you say that? Right. And, um, yeah, we would write it down after those 10 questions would pass it to our neighbor, um, who was sitting next to us and they'd mark it and I'd mark theirs and, you know, should read out the answers. And I remember the person that I was marking for got like eight or nine out of 10. And then I got zero. <laughs> and when we were going around the class, she asked us to say what we got out of 10, but we had said in French and like people were saying like, this, north, um, you know, we uh, set <laughs> like, you know, they're just saying what they got. And then it came to me and I was like, zero. And she's like, oh, excuse me? Um, I said, un zero. <laughs> uh, none, none. <laughs> I was just trying to say it and I just couldn't get it. I was so confused. And like people were laughing and laughing at me and I was so embarrassed. And oh man, so funny when I reflect on that. But this was, this was me when I was 10, 11 years old, you know. Um, but yeah, it, basically, as I mentioned, just like I just got started just carrying around this deep sadness within me. Um, yeah, and, um, yeah, this progressed until eventually I had, I created a, I manifested a big slouch. So I'd be hunched over all the time and, um, uh, constantly like really shy and yeah, I'd speak to people. Um, and I became, I eventually became more of a social butterfly as the years went on as well. Um, but that was to shroud and cover up the insecurity that I had within myself that I didn't feel good enough. Like I felt like I had to fit in with everyone so i'd be like a chameleon right so i'd always have this mask on and i'd be different around everyone um so that i could fit in and i was trying to be cool and i was trying to yeah all these things right and everything that validated the fact that i wasn't fitting in like anything that aligned with that would send me into this deep spiral of depression anytime that sort of thing got triggered and uh yeah it's just uh, I like, I, like by the time I was, I reached high school, I was, um, having thoughts about taking my own life. Um, I never had intentions, but these thoughts would come. Like I remember even one time very clearly, actually, I was walking to my car at the time, um, just out leaving school. And I just, rem- I, I honestly don't remember how old I was exactly. Um, I know I was in high school, but I don't remember too much because everything was very, blank you know like I, I blanked out lots um because i developed this disassociation uh that's what that's what actually a, a natural um uh, thing that the brain does when uh, uh when people go through trauma it's actually a traumatic response is the brain crests um this capability to disassociate from reality so that um yeah it can disconnect from painful experiences and my brain was always doing that you know and I just remember thinking as I was walking to the car, man, uh, I wonder what be, I was just kind of wish I could just disappear. I wonder what that would be like. I was too afraid of death, but I also wanted to disappear. 
And, you know, all these experiences just were so heavy on me. Um, and that, you know, bled toxicity into my romantic relationships when I eventually I could, you know, gain enough confidence to even speak to a woman in the first place. And I was still terrified of any other woman. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I developed, you know, um, issues around jealousy because I was cheated on and um, uh, just all these things, right? Um, and one day, this was the darkest moment I experienced. I was living in Quebec. I locked into the corner of my room. Um, I experienced a lot of anxiety, had panic attacks, had been crying a lot, um, uh, felt incredibly lonely and incredibly worthless. And I remember having these two strong thoughts. And the first was, man, I would do absolutely anything if I could just feel peaceful. I don't care if I don't get anything else in this world. I don't care if I don't get any, um, you know, um, I was, it was near Christmas. I'm like, I don't care if I don't get any Christmas presents. I don't care if I ever get married. Like, literally, I just don't care if I get anything in this world, right? I just want to be peaceful. I'm so sick of feeling this way. That's all I want. If I can get one thing in this world, that's all I want right now is just peace. And if I get peace, then life will be complete. That's what, that's what I was feeling at the time. And the second thought I had was I wouldn't even want my worst enemy to feel this way. <laughs> It was that horrible. So from that point on, I, um, and this was where things started to shift, is I finally started to get proper help. Before then, I was too proud. I thought I had to do it on my own or I hadn't done it at all. So I, I in time, um, at that point in time, I reached out to a holistic psychologist I'd been following for a while. Her name's Dr. Nicole LaPera and uh yeah i did some work with her she really really helped me a lot and then after some time i ended up working with a coach um and i've been working with him for over two years now and he's been um, such a gift in my life um but that was you know long after i'd already, already come out of a lot of darkness but um yeah it was about three years ago when this happened um when i hit that dark point in my life and since then it's just been upward for me honestly uh, and the second most profound thing and shift that I stepped into was meditation. Um, I had been practicing a lot of headspace and guided meditations, but um, it wasn't until when I moved to Bali that I discovered the true essence of meditation and going so much deeper than just guidance and actually learning how to sit with my thoughts, my feelings, my body, how everything was in my reality. And when I learned to just sit there and, and learn to just sit, 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 sit until I literally would completely accept the way things were, eventually I came to a realization that it was through acceptance that peace is gained. Uh, and it's not through a peaceful mind that acceptance comes, it's actually through acceptance that a peaceful mind comes. Um, for harmony uh, is what enables peace, right? Um, and it took me a while to come to that understanding. I always thought that um, I needed to create peace in my mind, but as peace isn't created, it's allowed um, for only when I allow my way to myself to be the way I am and for life to be the way it is right now, can I fully accept the way things are and therefore I fully come to peace with the way things are. And, you know, that took a while to come to and it took many, many months, months and months and months of really learning to sit, stay, be with myself fully um like i'll literally get into hour-long two-hour-long meditations and just stay there until everything subsided within me and then i'll be like oh wow and then i'll repeat that repeat that repeat that and eventually it just came to a point where um, i was so accepting of the way things were that i was just constantly in the state of peace and it was, took some time to realize that i'd actually made it you know i'm like wow wow i, I i'm at peace I'm at peace and, you know, tears of gratitude would come because of the fact that I'd attained it after all these years of suffering, you know, but it just goes to show what's possible um, from being diagnosed with anxiety and depression, um, you know, thinking about disappearing and um, just not living anymore to a point where I'm just so at peace and so in gratitude that um, life, I can see life as the abundant existence that it truly is. And that's just something that I want for, for everyone that's listening, honestly. Um, and that's a big reason why I wanted to share a little bit about my story, but also as well open up the space for others to share. And that's what is going to come in about one minute's time from me concluding this. So, yeah, I just want to say um, 
thanks for listening guys and um yeah i really hope that my sharing here is at least um helps bring a little bit of light or maybe reflection or resonance into your life and uh, maybe even encouraged you to maybe even attempt to go into more of a deeper meditative experience in your own life and learning to come to this place of beautiful acceptance because it was through acceptance that i've been able to um, use that as a platform to move forward um, I always thought that I had to chase and create peace and happiness, but when I can find peace and happiness here, I can then go and chase and create, right? Because if I'm chasing and creating peace and happiness all the time, it will just be this constant cycle of go, 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 burn out, feel like crap, not worthy, and fall down again, then get back up and chase, 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 right? And this is crazy cycle of ups and downs, and it was only once I came to the foundation within myself through fully accepting the way things were as I was, as things are that peace and happiness would become a natural experience and then from there i can use that as a platform and move forward with ease so yeah that's what i definitely invite for everyone listening so without further ado um i'm gonna pass over the mic to uh yeah those that sent over the recordings and i'm gonna let you guys listen to your leisure and um yeah i know that you guys will gain a lot from this just as i have turning into their stories and their shifts so thanks again, guys, and massive thanks to those people that sent through uh, their stories as well to the Bulker Coach. So enjoy, guys. I love you guys. I'll speak to you soon. Hey, guys, my name is Harrison Sanders, and I'm a 23-year-old primary school teacher. Um, so my biggest struggles in my mental health came through a series of unfortunate events that occurred probably five years ago, um, so I had a knee injury and had to have surgery and that put me out of sports for about six months to a year and at that time that was that meant a lot to me um, and about six months after I lost my grandma who used to live with us so that was quite a um, big thing and then about a month later Christmas week I lost my cousin who was like my best mate and that really um, hurt as well and as well as that, I just started a new job and finished high school. Um, and I hated this job. It was just such a toxic, negative environment. Um, so I was living this sort of like depressed and I just felt like I had no worth and wasn't getting anywhere in life mindset for about a year or two. I was in this job and I ended up starting boxing and finally got back into sports two years on. And... Through this, it just taught me um, like structure, resilience, discipline, um, and I also had like a good core motivated group of people, and I always kind of wanted to go to uni and be a teacher and do this, and they helped me and motivated me to get there. So just finding that purpose um, was the key for me to overcome all this depression and um, anxiety, I guess, and don't get me wrong, I still have it with things every now and then but um just having purpose and always restating what your purpose is and what you're wanting to achieve having goals short or long term um and also that structure is key to me anyway um everyone's different but it's just finding what helps you overcome this um but there's always a way that will change your mindset and you've just got to find that for you so yeah i hope this helped guys um and there's always a positive um side to things so don't think you're at the end of the road <laughs> um but yeah thanks for that thanks for listening thanks karen for the opportunity to share a bit about my story a bit about my experience of the challenge of mental health and how those things do just come up in life and can throw you. So a bit about my story, starting with my biggest challenge with mental health and very openly as well, openly and candidly, my family and I experienced a number of traumatic events over a very short period of time. We had parents separating. We had family member suddenly passed away. My sister had meningitis and nearly passed away as well. It was very, very unwell. And throughout that period, I was in a highly toxic relationship 
And lastly, to finish that all off, my mum was diagnosed with incurable cancer, stage four metastatic cancer. Uh, and that was all in a period of 18 months. And I was naturally and am naturally a very positive person, extremely positive person, see the best in everything. And I'm proud of that. But through those experiences, all within an 18-month period and more, I lost myself completely. I was there trying to be, be supportive of everybody else around me. And I was overwhelmed with everything. I had no time for myself. I was suffering from everything taking place and then helping everybody around me as it was an easier way to get away from having to help myself. And in doing so, I got completely overwhelmed and I just got lost and I was no longer going to the gym, which was a love of mine. I was no longer playing tennis. I was no longer DJing. I was no longer working on a business. I wasn't doing anything that made me happy and that I loved in life anymore. And that was a reflection of my mental state because I was just trying to get by and I was just trying to survive that period of my life. And the shift, or I guess before that, the real impact of it was I lost who I was. Didn't recognize myself. I wasn't inspired. I wasn't happy. I wasn't excited about life. People would describe me as being the really happy individual who was making the most of life and excited about the future. And that wasn't me anymore. I was just, I'd say my, my color had gone and I was just a black and white video, just a bit of a zombie just going through the motions of life. The shift that got me out of that was a great friend of mine, Oliver Such who really called me out. He shared with me that I wasn't me anymore. And with the practices of stoicism, I was deciding not to be happy. And there were choices available to me and decisions available to me that could get me back to being who I was and would be a decision to be happy or a decision to get my color back. And so I looked at my life and we looked at things together and identified of immediate decisions I could make. One, standing up for my self-worth and bravely leaving the relationship that I was in that wasn't serving me. And that coming to an end created space for me to use and then explore what are the things that I, I guess, kind of like the phoenix rising from the ashes. What does that life look like? Coming out of this, who can I now be? Let's go bigger. Let's go greater. Let's go happier. And so I dove into morning and evening routines or evening and morning routines, cold showers, preparation, journaling, commitment lists, looking at visualization of a future that excites me. What can I do that day that will get me closer to that vision being a reality? I found my inspiration again. I started going to the gym again. I started playing tennis. I started DJing and loving it again. I started up a business and that was in early February after breaking up mid-January. I made these decisions on a gut feeling that that would bring back who I really was again. And it did. And what I learned from the whole experience is your life is like a balance sheet. Just like a balance sheet, you have revenue coming in for your business or your personally, and that's your energy sources. What are the things that inspire you, excite you? What are the passions that you have no matter what it is, that really help you love life. So that's the revenue. 
equivalent? And then what are your costs, your expenses? And that's what I would call your energy leaks and your energy cost. What are the things you're doing that pull your energy down? And how can I remove that? And how can I reduce its impact in my life? And that leaves you with your profit margin. Or that leaves you with your energy margin and how great your life feels and how great you feel within yourself. And that is a lesson I continue to use today that really got me out of an incredibly dark place of suffering. And now I'm here having achieved pretty much the vision that I had, built the life that I want, and living a life doing only what I'm passionate about and nothing else. And I feel greater as an individual than I've ever felt before. And that's my story. If anybody has any questions, anybody has any reflections that that helped with or anything like that, welcome to reach me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever that is. And I'd love to hear your story and hear what actions you feel that you can take to change your life, become the person that you know that you can be and live in the life that you know that you can live. Karen, thank you again for the opportunity, brother. Much love. Mental health has been something that I've had to navigate my entire life. I was born in Sydney, Australia, and I was born into a life of poverty. Um, my childhood, I experienced homelessness. My my mother had her mental health challenges, and I witnessed a lot of uh, a lot of violence. And I seen a lot of alcoholism and drug use, and a lot of toxic relationships. So from a very young age, I was I seen the unfolding of mental health and and the unfolding of of trauma and the life in which when we are not in a balanced state, the life in which that creates. And throughout my childhood, it was really, really common for me to see unhealthy behavior. And evidently, I picked up some of those patterns and living a life um, of poverty where there was a lot of traumatic experiences, I absorbed my surroundings and I held a lot of trauma in my body and I still hold trauma in my body. My mom passed away when when I was 11 and I didn't really know my dad. So I found myself out of school at 14 and living on the streets of Sydney. And I was repeating this cycle of poverty, this cycle of trauma. I was homeless. I was experimenting with drugs and alcohol. And the majority of the people that I were hanging around, all of the people that I was hanging around had also experienced um, lives of trauma and had broken and disconnected relationships uh, with the people around them and were struggling with their mental health in some way, shape or form. And so it was when I was 16, I moved up to Byron Bay and I was with a boyfriend at the time and I was living in a backpackers. Uh, every day was like like a party and I was living this really quite what I seemed to be free lifestyle where nobody was telling me what to do. I could do what I want. Uh, I could think what I want. I could hang out with who I wanted and something shift when I, when I, when I moved to that area, I noticed the life that I was living. And I had noticed it previously because I drew myself out of living on the streets and out of that cycle, but I was still very much living um, a toxic life. And so it dropped in uh, to my awareness that I don't want to live that life. I don't want to repeat the cycle. And I don't want my future kids to live a life of trauma and to live a life of poverty. So I went back to school and I and I found a job and I started my path. My passion for wellness and holistic wellness really ignited. 
I discovered yoga and kundalini meditation. I was handed a book on the law of attraction and delved into energetics and a deeper understanding of my of my psyche. And over the next five or so years, I really began exploring this path of holistic wellness. Now, it wasn't easy. Some days were good and some days were bad, but I was still so young and I was on top of experiencing the uh, natural fluctuation in emotions um, as I began to transition from childhood to adulthood. I had the layer of trauma and the layer of growing up in a life of poverty. So I was experiencing quite high highs and then low lows. I was experiencing depression and anxiety and it wasn't easy, but I was dedicated to this path. And the things that helped me most were moving my body, exercising, getting up and doing something every day, meditating and clearing my mind, um, noticing my sleep patterns and and making sure that I'm sleeping enough. Nutrition was huge. When I discovered nutrition and how much the food I was eating affected my well-being in a whole, um, it really started to shift as well as really understanding how my thoughts and emotions affected my behavior and the reality in which I perceived. I looked at the connections between my relationships and how the people that I was around affected um, my current state of being. And they were the tools that really, really helped me most to transition out of a life of dis-ease and feeling unsafe in my body into a life of harmony. And some days now, you know, that's 10 years, 11 years later, it's still not easy every single day. Some days it's hard, but I have the tools now and I'm dedicated to this path. Alrighty, uh, Keza, biggest challenge for me. Biggest challenge for me in mental health has definitely been the judgments the criticisms, the shame uh, and the labelling that comes along with it depending on the people that you are with, that you hang out with and how your family look at it. I think that um, when I first recognised that I had anxiety and, uh, you know, talking to people about it was really hard, because you would get some interesting comments back. And, uh, you know, there were comments like, gee, how could you let yourself get into that place? Um, comments like, I never thought somebody like you could go through something like that. And, um, you know, to be fair, those are the, the things that have probably fueled me to, you know, move down the path of spreading my journey with people. So, um, those are the things that were the biggest challenge because you don't want to be labelled. Nobody likes to be labelled. Um, nobody, you know, the feeling of shame is, is a really awful feeling. Um, the feeling of failure is really awful. It's horrible feelings. And, and those feelings come up when people judge you and they label you. And so for me, the biggest challenge was definitely just the judgments from people, the criticism, the criticisms, the the labels, um, you know, people trying to make you identify with something and you're not wanting to identify with it because you don't want to sit in that space forever. So definitely those, um, yeah, those those were the biggest challenges for me and, and they still are sometimes. Um, what has helped me shift through it the most? Oh, look, I can honestly say that for my particular situation, just wholeheartedly accepting what was absolutely real at that point in time and learning to be present. Um, you know, as I learned to be present through meditation and, you know, my, my option was to just sneak into a room um, for 10 minutes every morning um, before my, my husband woke up so that I didn't disturb him and wouldn't have his, his kind of, um, his uh, tension around me. And I, uh, I would sneak off every morning into the spare room, 10-minute meditation, and it just taught me to slow down very slowly 
and it taught me to um, really accept what was going on in my life and accept what was in my headspace as well. And, um, you know, the biggest shift was doing, was finding something that helped me move through that space by not just accepting, but by learning that the voices that I had in my head and that the ways that I was feeling were not meant to be there. They, they're not, you don't have to live like that. And um, knowing that there's light at the end of the tunnel and knowing that I, I've got the power to change it, those, those things were the biggest shifts, just wholehearted acceptance and absolute understanding, not just belief, but absolute understanding that it doesn't have to stay that way and that you've got the power to change it. And those things have really helped me completely shift out of that space of anxiety and depression and um, and sadness, really, to all of a sudden just feeling like your everything is slower, but it's not. And yeah, slowness and freedom is is what I have now. And um, life moves actually faster in that way, ironically. So, yeah. Oh, hey listeners, hello. This is Mawika. I am an Indian living in New Zealand for a little over two years now. Hey, this is Mental Health Awareness Week and I am so grateful. And I am ready to open up about my lifelong mental health journey with you. I'd like to share the only very very massive challenge with my mental health and well-being was the struggle to understand the feeling that I felt all my life that made no sense like I had no idea where it was coming from until now mind you before I move on to figure out the problems to figure out the root cause sometimes it takes years it's not like an overnight process it's not a month-long process or maybe a year process because if your trauma is like it dates back to many moons ago then definitely it would take years for you to figure out and then few more years to heal because it's all a process mine was childhood pro- uh, childhood trauma that i was you know carrying with myself all my life that really needed to be treated back then okay but that didn't happen so all these years one thing that i fed my brain I fed my mind was that it is not your fault if you're feeling whatever you're feeling. If you're feeling helpless, it's okay because it's not your fault. You know, no one is understanding you, but you know that you are understanding yourself, if at all. I also told myself that no one is coming to help you. So you got to help yourself, you know. Because you are capable of understanding what's going on. And see, guys, I told myself all of that in the times when I had no idea what I was feeling. Why? Because you feed your brain positive thoughts you know you condition your mind in certain manner that after a while you know that no I am capable of dealing with this whatever this is and that's how it should be I stayed away from alcohol I stayed away from drugs I stayed away from any sort of medication prescribed by experts and you know uh, 
counselors out there and i told myself okay cook healthy eat healthy work out every day drink plenty of water talk to your family and your friends on everyday basis pamper yourself whichever way you know talk to people who make a positive shift in your life rather than people who are giving you clear bs and like trust me the entire process was really difficult it was a dark phase i had conflicts with a lot of people trust me i had to actually let go of a lot of people and today i realize and i understand that it was good that i took that decision because sometimes all you need is you if you know it that's it i mean if you're not harming anyone if you mean no harm to anyone then whatever you're doing is all good and this is what i fed you know my brain every day and today i am capable of dealing with my trigger uh, points all my toxic traits and i know this too shall pass and i just want to say that reach out to people like kiran and others in the community who are ready to help you with whatever tools that are required to you know deal with your traumas you know in a in a healthier manner i would say and never ever give up on yourself please tell yourself that you love yourself and can i get an amen on this like hey amen with this i would want to say that you are brave and even though i do not know you but i still love you take care bye and that's that guys thank you so much for listening and thank you to all that um yeah participated in this podcast as well um i'm just i'm ecstatic i'm grateful um for those that sent those through uh as i mentioned earlier I learned so much from those that sent those stories through and um, I really hope that you guys did too. I'm sure you guys did. Uh, but yeah, if you found this episode uh, beneficial, um, please share it. Please allow others who may need these messages these, um, and the resonance from these stories uh, in their own life to be able to have access to this. And that could be easily done, whether it's just through telling a friend or through sharing it on your social and giving people an opportunity to tune in because you'll be surprised how many people in your circle or in um, your own community of people that whether you're friendly with or acquainted with that really suffer and you have no idea. You'll be surprised how many truly people, truly people suffer. Um, and honestly, sometimes it's the loudest person in the party and then sometimes it's the quietest. But um, yeah, you know, I've been both. I've been the quietest and I've been the loudest at different phases of my life. Uh, so you just never know. Sometimes it's the smiliest person in the room, and sometimes it's the saddest looking person in the room. Um, I was, I've been both. I've been told, "Come on, Karen, life's not that bad." But then I've also been seen as this really positive and optimistic person when I've felt like I just wanted to disappear. Isn't that crazy though? But that's just that's just how the human conditioning is, and the human um, mind works. Unfortunately, there's this place of perception rather than um, realism. So with that being said, I, I'm sending you so much love. I really am. I, I, I couldn't be more grateful for you guys tuning into this. Um, this, is, this is a message that's needed um, in society today. More so than ever before, we've got the means in order to reach more people. And we've got the means to have others listen to our messages Hence why it's so important that we utilize these platforms that we have and these medians that we have in order to uh, help this normalization of conversation around mental health to grow. 
so that um, it's more okay for people to say, hi, how are you? And for people to be able to respond, I'm actually not doing well today. And that being as normal of a conversation as, hey, you want to go for coffee? Yeah, let's go for coffee. As normal as a conversation of, hey, how much money did you earn this week? As normal as a conversation of, um, hey, I reached level 89 on RuneScape. <laughs> That's not normal anymore. I'm kidding. That's like, you know, 10, 20 years ago. But, um, you know, as normal as we speak about Bitcoin or as normal as we speak about um, anime. Um, okay, this, this is me. Sorry. But, you know, you get my point. <laughs> you know, um, but normal conversation. This is this is normal conversation. There's nothing. There's, you know, it's, it, there's everything beautiful about being able to say, I'm really struggling today. And that's not something that should be looked down upon. And it should be an open space for um, globally for people to be able to have that sense of comfort within themselves to be able to share that stuff. Because then um, there'll be no self-judgment and then no self-sabotage around feelings that arise. And this will massively shift the paradigm of mental health here in the world. So that's one of my big goals. And I would love to invite you guys to help me along this movement as well. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to leave you guys to it. Um, also, I'll acknowledge my energy hasn't been super high today. I'm feeling pretty tired because I had a very late night last, very late night last night. There we go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm feeling a bit today um, in terms of just my energy's not quite there. But that's okay. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I've still got two workouts to do. I'm doing 75 hard, which requires two 45 minute workouts a day, um, and it's currently uh, something like. I don't know, 5 p.m. There we go. So we've got two workouts to do. Let's go. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to go do that now. But once again, thanks for listening, guys. I love you guys. And yeah, subscribe, hit, hit it hit it on the good, good old five star. And yeah, let's get this message out there. Eh? Catch you guys next time. That's why I do this for you.